My name's Bobby Walker with Journey of a New Entrepreneur, and I've got one message for you. Don't be a bitch! What's going on, guys? It's Bobby here with the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast. So excited once again to be back with you. This is like my favorite time. This is like what I love doing. I remember when I started the podcast, I said, man, if I watch it and if my mom or if I listen to it, my mom listens to it, that's good enough for me. So I just do this thing because I enjoy it. And I'm glad you guys are back listening to this thing. I'm super, super excited about my guest that I have today. But before I get to that, before I get to it, I want to tell you guys about Responsibit. Responsibit is the show sponsor. And let me tell you this. Let me tell you why they're the show sponsors. Because I started using that thing. Gosh, I don't even remember how long ago I started using it, but I was using it for probably, I think, two years before they were ever a show sponsor. That's that's pretty much the only reason they're able to be here is because I know what they do. I use it in my own business. And with conviction, I can tell you it's great. I did that. I did that before they were a sponsor of the show. So Responsibid has become essentially the hub of my service business. Now, truth be told, it's not the hub of all the software I use because it plugs into some other things. But when it comes down to how we plan our software and our workflow and all the things that we do, Responsibid's always the thing that's at the forefront. We got to make sure that it's working there because that's the thing that makes us money. And most of the other stuff that we use, and I'm talking about software and things like that, most of the other things, not all of them, and you're actually going to I kind of got a guy on the show right now that uh, <laughs> that's one of these guys, but not all of them uh, are like this, but most of the software I use, it doesn't generate revenue for me. It doesn't make me money. It just, you know, stores stuff. Maybe there's some automation here or there, makes life a little easier. But Responsibid is a full-time salesperson that lives on my website. But I want to skip over that real quick because people get caught up too much on the website thing. I see people say, well, I've got responsibility and I've got it on my website now. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you're like 2% there. Yeah, you got, you got a little bit. You've just scratched the surface. But essentially, responsibility needs to fit in your workflow that, well, all that sound you guys are hearing is my new puppy in my office here breaking stuff. So I'm sorry about that. But responsibility, every quote that we have goes through it. Every residential quote, it goes through it. It follows up with our customers bef uh, before they become our customers. <laughs> my... So as in the middle of this uh, ad, my nine-week-old golden doodle, my mini golden doodle, has discovered mini blinds. So I may not have any blinds in my office when, uh, <laughs> when this show's hey, over. Just go on mute, Bobby. I'll take over the read from here. So hey, guys, right. <laughs> uh, guys uh, this is Daniel. And thanks for having me on the show, Bobby. But I got to continue the read. So okay, keep responsibility, going. Responsibility, right? So before I was ever affiliated with Sinjim, before I used Sinjim, actually, uh, before I knew Josh and before I knew Kurt, uh, I used Responsibit as well uh, in my carpet cleaning business. Uh, it was the only software besides QuickBooks that I had at the time. That's how important it was. I didn't have a CRM. Um, I still found tons of value in Responsibit and we still use it today. So not paid ad. Don't Responsibit doesn't sponsor me. Uh, and I don't get it for free. I still pay for it. All those things that you could think, yeah, why, why is Daniel plugging it? I don't get any of those things. Uh, maybe Bobby does, but I'm going to tell yep. you guys that 
from another voice, I use responsibility in my service business and awesome. I'm not paid to say that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Daniel. And guys, bottom line, here's what it is. It's the premier sales tool for the service industry. It helps you close more jobs at higher ticket prices with less effort. And they have a 10 to one ROI guarantee. So they don't just say they help you do that, but they guarantee it with a 10 to one ROI guarantee. And if you're a journey of a new entrepreneur listener, you can go to jnebid.com, check it out. You get a free month of service. You can't get that anywhere else except with the journey of a new entrepreneur link and you get an exclusive lower rate. So it's really cool stuff. Check it out. And hell, I'll just go ahead and say this. Daniel with uh, SendGym and Automate Motivate, if you like those services, check out jnegym.com, jnegym.com. Check out Daniel's stuff. I use both of those platforms in my company as well. It's really good stuff. So we got the bills paid, Daniel. Now it's time. <laughs> now it's time to chat. What's going on, my friend? Oh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, every time I get to spend time with you, like I truly enjoy that part of my day. I feel like uh, there's things like, you know, we all have to do or it's on the calendar and you're like, oh, I really don't like to do that. But man, podcasting with you or just catching up with you on Boxer or on the phone, uh, hanging out with your dog. Like those are things I like. Yeah. So, that's <laughs> For those of you listening to audio, I just brought the puppy up on screen here. So if you want to see the nine week old golden doodle, you got to go to the YouTube channel. Now he's chewing on my fingers. But now, Daniel, I'm the same man. And for those of you that don't know Daniel, because he's been on the show before, Daniel currently is the CEO of Service Moxie, which is a company that owns a handful of digital services. And we'll, we'll probably talk about that here a little later. But he currently does that. But he also, uh, as he mentioned, owns a carpet cleaning company that his family runs uh, with him. And then he, um, the cool thing that he does, which I want to talk about today, Daniel, is he has a background, or I should say that he did, I don't believe he does it anymore, but he was a consultant. So Daniel, um, every, I think everyone kind of knows who you are. You're a super cool dude. And I too enjoy hanging out with you, my friend. And I'm glad that every time you see this beautiful face with this lion mane of a beard, I'm trying to grow out. I, I don't know what's, I feel like the cowardly lion from from uh, the Wizard of Oz with this thing, but uh, but uh, I always enjoy hanging out with you, but I'm just glad that when you see this gorgeous face, it's the best part of your day. So thank you so much, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> so just on Boxer, so I don't have to see you, but yeah. <laughs> so Daniel, the reason I want to talk to you, uh, dude, now I'm thinking about, we are going to see, we're seeing each other a lot this week too. Uh, we're actually doing- we yeah, yeah, we get to do a webinar this week too. So uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about that here at the end of the show. But uh, Daniel and I get to do a little webinar on Thursday night, so it'll be fun. But um, the uh, reason I wanted you on here, Daniel, is not so much to talk about um, your current uh, endeavors, but I really what intrigues me, and it's something you and I have not talked about, is your experience as a consultant. So for I mean, I understand what a consultant is. But I also kind of scratch my head sometimes and I'm like, what the hell do those guys really do? Take a second, if you <laughs> would, and walk me and the listeners, you know, through what a, gen you know, generally speaking, broad brush, what a cons business consultant is, and then talk a little bit about what you did. And then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, so in corporate America, this is going to sound crazy to you guys, but uh, executives would have specific projects that they would need to accomplish. Um, and if they didn't have the, the expertise 
-hmm. or they had issues that they needed to solve and they didn't have the expertise in house. They wanted an outside opinion or help. They would hire a consultant and they would come in and say, here's my problem. We would put together a game plan for them and say, okay, we're going to come in for six weeks. We're going to do this assessment. We're going to interview people. We're going to take a look at your technology. Then we're going to propose a solution and then go from there. Right. So that's what we did. Uh, it was not, you know, not to, I don't say this to brag, but just to give people an idea, like in, in the corporate world, you know, companies are paying, we're paying 300, $400 an hour wow. for our time. Um, and so, hey, you know, Daniel, let was, me interrupt you for just a quick second for anyone listening. Yeah. Um, we're not, Daniel's not selling consulting services to anyone just for the, as yeah. soon as you start talking, I thought, you know, everyone probably thinks that <laughs> we're going down his experience and I'm hoping yeah. we can learn some stuff from this. You guys are not getting pitched consulting for the record. Carry on. Sorry, Daniel, but I felt that was important. No, no problem. Well, would I ever expect anybody in their mind to pay $300 an hour for consulting? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we would come in and we would help and it was a very serious, you know, role. And um, so, yeah, that's what I, I did. I did that for, I can't remember how many years, but I worked for two different firms. Um, and yeah, it was really fun. I got to, to experience a lot with some really big companies um, company, you know, brands that you guys would recognize. And, uh, it was, it was great. I got to see a lot of different company problems and issues. And the crazy part about it, Bobby is like, what I think we're going to talk about today too, is a lot of it surrounded, uh, you know, people mm-hmm. People was like a, a very common, uh, root cause. Like they might have one issue and they think like, this is the issue. They think it's a technology problem or they think it's a, you know, whatever problem, but a lot of times, like there was a people component or a people was like a, a, a main player in that issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well God, before we, before we go down that hole, be just because uh, that's a big one and probably the easiest one for us to all relate to. Let's talk about some of the things that, uh, that you did in the corporate world that uh, I imagine, I mean, everything's got to have a connection somewhat to what we do because what makes it a corporate world is just essentially the fact that it got kind of big and a lot of people are involved. So we're all running these businesses. What were some of the other types of things that people would bring you in to help with? Uh, So things like um, acquisitions, should they acquire another company or brand? Um, Mm -hmm. If they did, if they were going to, you know, how do those companies or brands play together? Mm -hmm. Do we rebrand big decisions like that? Um, how do we improve our operating model? Like at a small level, like the Bobby Walker, our type of businesses, you know, we talk about, should we do one man, two man crews? Yep. Um, it might be like that in retail stores. Like how do I staff? What are the hours that I'm busy? What does the data say I should be doing? Um, uh, you know, taking data to solve problems. Uh, I helped a lot of companies select technology solutions. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is the issue we're having. We want to solve it with technology. Like what's out there? What would be good? What's the plus and minus? Uh, how do we transition uh, to that technology? Um, let's see. What else were some big problems? Uh, what markets we want to go into? Like mm-hmm. maybe your business today, do you want to start into a different mar- a city? Do you want to add a city? If so, I, I know, Bobby, you talk about market analysis and like yep. when you start a business. And I think that's probably in your course, but like we did that on for, you know, very large brands. Like how do mm-hmm. we go into this market? What are the comp- competitors? What are the threats? Uh, strategic planning. Hey, where do we want to go in the future? Like how do we meet our 10% growth goal? How do we improve the quality of our products or services? Like all of those things yeah. are things we worked on. And for anyone listening, you know, if you hear a 10% 
growth goal that may not be exciting to you, but the companies Daniel uh, is working with, you know, they're more of the the big dinosaurs that have been, you know been around and and they're they're large. I I don't think Daniel, you're allowed to say uh, who you worked with, but can you give some examples just so we yeah. can wrap our head around you know the type of companies and sizes and scopes and such. Yeah, so one of the companies was uh, Nissan North America. So uh, everyone's seen Nissan cars. Mm -hmm. uh, we, our company worked with them. We worked with the largest hospital uh, company in the U.S. So they own 200 something hospitals. Um, worked with a company that was like a regional Southeast uh, gas station company. Mm -hmm. uh, so they owned a bunch of gas stations, mini marts type of things. Um, and one of the cool companies, one of the, my, the things like I did last before I got into the service industry, I got to actually work with an HVAC company here, hmm. uh, local company. They started their, the, the grandparents started it and now it's the grandchildren running it, but That's cool. they, they do $400 million a year in HVAC Holy hell! in the state of Tennessee. So, wow. uh, you're talking about, you know, and that was one of our smaller clients, but to your point. 10% growth goal for a $400 million company. Like you're talking about adding 40 million yeah. uh, revenue. And, you know, that company's got 600 vans on the road every day. They're talking yeah. about, you, you know, it's our nightmare when our, one of our employees gets in an accident. I think Bobby's had this happen before with the vehicle, yep. uh, our employees damage vehicles, but they, I was talking to one of the guys that manages their fleet there. He said they get on average two accidents per month, just by the sheer number of uh, vehicles yeah. they've got on the So. Yeah. Well, yeah. And with those big companies, it's like, you can't go from four. Well, if your growth plan to go is to go from 400 million to 800 million or 400 to 600, it's probably going to include an acquisition, you know, and something right. like that. It's very difficult to, to add that type of revenue uh, just by kind of doing what you're doing, but a little better. What, um, now, did you own the the company or were you working for someone when you were doing the consulting? Yeah, I worked for a, a larger firm. Um, we had about 700 consultants. Oh, so wow. Okay. It was uh, mostly in the United States, but we did have some in other countries, a few in other countries. So I don't know exactly how that works. Did you, so did this company hire, like, say, like, did you have a specialty? So when, a, when someone needed a consultant for X, that's when Daniel would go in and they had another guy for, for these issues and another guy for those issues, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, everybody kind of generally has an, in, uh, uh, an industry strategy or a, an industry background or ex expertise or um, like a, a function expertise, right? Like you might be a really strong data and analytics person, or mm -hmm. uh, you might be really strong at strategy. Uh, I, my specialty was healthcare uh, on the provider side. So how do we help uh, physicians, doctors, hospitals, people that provide you care. Yeah. Um, and, um, I did as a general generality, kind of like my, my minor, if you will, if you talked about that as my major, the other things I did were just strategy and, and, um, corporate strategy and corporate operations. So how do we improve operations? How do we, you know, strategize about going forward? So, uh, I've got a hand, a couple of questions here for you. And, I know we're, you and I both know this because we talked before we went live, but I've got a hard stop here in 30 minutes. So we'll have to get through them somewhat quick, but uh, first question. Um, and I think most people that know you, especially since you took over Syngym and Service Moxie as the CEO probably have the same question. So I just want to say, or just ask like, when did you become such a little whiny bitch? Like um, how'd that happen? Well, uh, I, I met you and I, <laughs> 
downhill from there. You started talking about Don't horses. Be a bitch. Daniel, come on, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I could. For everyone listening, Daniel's a good friend of mine. So we're. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> this is just stuff I would have said if we were just talking on the phone. Daniel's one of the few people I actually have phone conversations with. We actually just we call each other when we're like, man. I'm sure sucking as a CEO right now. And then I'm like, well, well, he'll say it. But sometimes he calls, sometimes I call. And then the other one's like, well, I don't have any, any good news for you because I'm in the same boat, man. <laughs> so, okay. Now into a serious question. Um, instead of talking about it in the corporate world, what I hope, I don't mean to put you on the spot because I know your expertise wasn't smaller companies like, like ours, but you, you know, you know, yeah. uh, you know quite a bit about my business what type of things would you look at when, you know, what, what kind of advice would you give a guy like me when it's like, Hey, um, I'm, I'm considering some growth from an acquisition standpoint and let's be specific, say like in my own market. So not so much that I'm trying to expand somewhere. Maybe that can be part B of the question. So I'm in Orlando and, you know, part B could be, I want to open a branch in uh, Miami. Okay. But the first part here, I'm in Orlando. I want to have aggressive growth and so on and so forth. What kinds of things do I need to take into consideration when looking at doing acquisitions and such? Yeah. So one of the skills that I learned as a consultant is about how you approach problems. Um, And it's really valuable to always look at your options, right? So like your goal is growth. And the first thing you want to do is goal set, right? Like Mm -hmm. what's, what's success look like for, Bobby in Orlando. Okay. We define that it's, he wants to grow by a hundred thousand extra, whatever that number is. I made that up. But, um, so we, we have got this goal. Now let's look at the options to hitting it. Right. Bobby can just pay more AdWords. He can grow, you know, organic growth. Like what Mm -hmm. can he do himself with his own brand to get to that goal? And then you'll look at other options. Like, can he buy a competitor? Can he add services to his existing business, right? And and you'll want to come up with like as many options as you can because options are valuable. And then you start eliminating them. Um, You say, hey, well, I don't want to add another service because of this reason. Uh, I don't, you know, I want to grow internally, but I'm just not going to get all the way there. And so you come up with like, let's land on, yeah, I want to acquire, right? Mm -hmm. So you land on, I want to acquire as your best option for whatever reason. You'll look at the pros and cons. Let's pause for a second. Now, when we land on that, essentially what we're looking at is saying, this is a statement and this is a question in the form of a statement. When, before we landed on that, we essentially said, okay, to gain that extra $100,000 in revenue, which is just a made up number here, uh, it would cost me this much money and effort to do that organically. And it would cost me this much money and effort to uh, do the acquisition. So the money money and the pain, which is the effort, uh, is lighter on the acquisition side. Therefore, we decided to go that route. Is that yeah, kind that's of a essentially great, what yeah, you would That's do? a great point. And I probably skipped over that too fast. Um, so you're going to want to look at financially, right? The differences of each of the options financially from a, what's the return? What's the risk? You're going to want to look at the effort. Like you mentioned, what's the, the pain that I've got to go through? Mm-hmm. Um, you're also going to want to look at uh, probability of success, right? Like you might be able to grow 50,000 of your hundred thousand on your own, but like, you know, if I do this, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas like, if I go to acquire someone, I might be able to grow 150, 200,000, but like, 
there's significant chance it won't work. There's a lot of financial risk. Like the person you're buying the company from, you know, is not telling you everything. Right. Exactly, <laughs> well, exactly right. Yeah. Like what are the chances their books are, are legit? Like, so, you yeah. know, are their employees going to stay? Are their customers going to stay? Like, you know, what's their reputation? So there's a whole bunch of factors you'll use to evaluate. That's, and that's uh, a great I always get a kick when you mention the the books thing. Uh, I can't rabbit trail too much here because of our time, but I always uh, laugh at the story. Uh, you and I both are mutual friends with Mike Dalkey, and yeah. the story he tells on his first acquisition, uh, at least for a window uh, service cleaning com- a service company. He's like, we bought this company. You know, he said he showed up. They had one employee. That guy was like 400 pounds. And the reason that's important, we're not fat shaming here, is that's heavier than you're allowed to be even on a ladder. So they, their only window cleaner can't even get on a ladder. He's wearing a shirt that says, this is my beer drinking shirt. And he then discovered that the books just basically didn't exist. And that uh, the customers were literally in a shoebox, not even in order. It was just cards at a shoebox, just kind of randomly thrown in there. So I think Dalkey has actually, did you consult with him? Cause he's come a long way on his acquisition stuff. I did not consult with Mike. Uh, he's a, just a really smart dude and he's learned a lot, <laughs> but, uh, I will say when Dalkey, uh, has opportunities, he comes to me and asks me, you know, how would you assess this? And yeah. I give him my advice, but I don't know that it's most of the time. It's not much different than what Mike's already figured out on his own. Yeah. Cause like I said, he's a, he's a really smart dude. Well, you should have helped him with that first one, man. That was, that was a bad <laughs> one. So, <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good, um, like I say, I wish we had more time, but on the acquisition thing, that's a really good, uh, you know, intro there. I think a couple of things to keep in mind with the acquisitions, correct me if I'm wrong. We already covered a couple, one or two of them, which is, uh, however good the acquisition looks on paper, you need to probably subtract at least 20% of how good that is. And, um, it may be not 20% off of the, the top line or the bottom line, but, there's something that's not going to be as you expected. I, I was a part of a lot of acquisitions in the corporate world myself. Now I did it from the perspective of I, I ran a region and then the corporate office would buy another company. And then I was in charge of trying to keep everyone from quitting and all the customers from leaving and so on and so forth. But, but that's another thing is uh, was your experience and uh, it probably would depend on the company type. This was in security, but every time we would buy a company, we would just have a crap ton of cancellations like the moment they found out that there was uh, an acquisition they didn't know us they didn't know if they didn't like us just the fact that there was a change people get offended or you know whatever and they just leave was that kind of your experience on that as well um less so in the, the big companies they're able to do these things kind of behind closed doors mm-hmm. right like in the smaller businesses oftentimes like they know there's an acquisition because the owner changes or because the name on the invoice changes mm-hmm. a lot a lot of times in like the corporate environment they'll do this on purpose to avoid that as hey the acquisition happened cl- like b- behind closed doors no one really knows the brand stays the same like nothing really changes but they'll generate operational efficiency so that's where you're going to see like oftentimes layoffs like well we don't need two idt departments we yeah. don't need right and so uh we did try to in most cases make the customer not o- aware of it mm-hmm. uh, not that we were hiding anything but just they're you know those people that are going to jump ship just because like there's no reason yeah well for everyone listening this in the no bitch zone just something to keep in mind with these little little service businesses. And I didn't work for a small company back in the day, but um, the, 
you know, just remember whenever you're looking at buying or looking at expanding, you know, the company's not going to be as valuable as the seller thinks it is more than likely, especially with small businesses like ours, because to that seller, this is a business that's provided for him and his family. It literally, you know, gave him everything. So just remember that uh, they're always going to have a higher expectation. They're going to think more of their own customers than, than probably what they should because it's their customers. And if there's not a contract with a customer, you've just got to realize the odds are really, really uh, high that some of those people, if it's reoccurring kind of stuff are going to leave just because, just because they're mad that the other guy sold you to them and you can't sell me to them and so on and so forth. So if it's not a contract that's transferable to, to you, just keep all of those things in mind. So, yeah, I'll add one thing to that too, Bobby. If, if you're buying a business in this, in the service industry, really challenge yourself to say, what am I buying? Mm-hmm. Right? Like it, what, what is the reason for the value of that business? Is it the customer list? Like you're going to sell to those customers again? Is it you're buying a route? Is it you're buying equipment, trucks? And then, you know, with the, the equipment and trucks, just realize like you can always buy equipment and trucks. Like think how much used equipment mm-hmm. is worth. It's almost worth nothing. Yeah. So in most of these businesses, you're buying repeat customers or customer lists. So, you know, what does that customer list look like? How many, how, how often are they doing repeat work? What kind of reviews do they have? Yeah. Like, do you want to buy a customer list with a bunch of three-star reviews? Like they're probably not going to come back. So yeah. You know, just really challenge yourself on what you're buying and how much is that worth and, and what would it cost you to go get that without buying it from someone else? Yeah, good stuff. And which you act, which was the very first thing you mentioned, which is where people land on the acquisition. You always got to look at uh, if I'm going to spend X, you know, I don't know, let's just make up a number. If I'm going to spend $50,000 to buy this company, right? Uh, can't you know, how much revenue can I generate inside of my own company with 50 grand? And uh, I had a guy, the, uh, I did a, we're going to call it a quasi acquisition. Um, It's just, it's just details that would just take too long and are irrelevant on the show. But I did a little acquisition with a guy. And uh, when he first came to me, I think he wanted $150,000 for his business. And his business was about a third of the size of mine at the time. And mine wasn't big. And I'm thinking, dude, mine's not worth 150 K, you know, at that point, (laughs) you know? And, um, and then when we came back to it, he essentially, uh, I don't want to give all the details, but I'll tell you this much. It was a small, small, small fraction of, uh, of that amount. But after trying to shop the thing around, he realized, shoot, people don't want to buy that customer list for that kind of money because they can generate, you know, that hundred or $200,000 of revenue a lot cheaper on their own. So, that's that. We're beating a dead horse. I got two two other ones here. One thing I thought was uh, telling, if you will, uh, and it's another thing where I think we miss the mark in our businesses because, you know, let's just face facts. When you got a pressure washing or a window cleaning company like mine or, or something similar, most of us are in this business because it was a low barrier to entry. Most mm-hmm. of us weren't running our own or building our own businesses before. And um, there's some real common mistakes that get made. Uh, you mentioned employees earlier, which actually I want to talk about that here in a second. But the um, another one I see all the time is people and you, you apparently were one of them at one point that, uh, you know, didn't even have a CRM. You know, you didn't you didn't have a, a place for all your customers to live. And you kept mentioning about all these other platforms, which the note that I wrote down was 
data. Daniel, is data, how valuable is data for us as we're trying to grow businesses? Uh, it's the most valuable thing there is, in my opinion. Uh, and you have to understand, I'm, I'm probably a little bit biased. I'm an engineer by schooling. So I love data. Um, You're just one of those nerds that likes to put everything in a spreadsheet, aren't you? That's, that's all right. you do is just work on spreadsheets. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, to give you some idea. So when I took over Sin Gym, the very first thing I did was implement uh, basically a data dashboard that was specific to our operating metrics like what what is it that we you know need to change need to improve upon how do we measure it let's set goals around it um if you don't know where you're at with specific metrics that are important to your business whether it's revenue repeat work average ticket like whatever those numbers are that are important to you if you don't know where you're at today how do you know that you're getting any better or worse like you might be yeah yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. I was actually just sitting here thinking the same thing is it's like, like this year I made a, you know, I finally hired a good accountant, uh, Dan Plata and blue sky services. Go check him out. He's awesome. But, uh, hired a great accountant and our bookkeeper. And is that the same thing? Bookkeeping and accounting. Different. Is it different? Different. Yeah. Uh, well, I hired a good bookkeeper. I, I don't know anything about it. Bookkeeper will uh, keep track of all your books, your business books. They'll categorize expenses, income, all that. Your accountant will file your tax return. Oh, okay. I just call that guy my tax guy. I didn't know he was my accountant. Now I feel, wow, I feel so much more awesome in business. So anyway, uh, thank you for embarrassing me. (laughs) But the, um, but you know, getting my books in order and everything, it allowed me to identify a problem in my business that I made a change on early in this year, like back in, in Q1, I made a change that frankly, I wouldn't have identified had I not been looking at that data and those numbers. And it's one of those things that it was actually slowly killing me. It was just sucking any potential profit you know, out of the company. And I was able to make one change in one week move forward. And now I can look back and I look at my PL and for everyone just listening, my hand is just kind of going up, you know, like a graph. Now, now things are just doing really, really good. And if I wouldn't have had that information, I, a lot of us, you know, and mine would have got to that point had I not seen it. I think what happens is our businesses will die before we realize they were sick because we just don't know what we're looking at. And whether it's data on, uh, you know, just, just looking at, well, I guess everything eventually falls in the PL, but uh, you know, if you're using better data than just your PL, but like say your your marketing and stuff like that, you know, if you have really good information there, you know where you can either spend more money, where that money's gonna be well spent, or you can know, hey, I can spend less money because there's some diminishing returns here, or yada yada yada. But okay. I want to keep going, Daniel, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm asking you questions and then I'm doing more talking, but if um, if you are um, if you're listening to this show, guys, or if you're visiting the show as a guest, you already know I'm the guy that does all the talking, and I just can't help <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, Daniel, let's talk about employees. So you mentioned that that was a big thing. What were what were the common uh, if there were common ones? What were the common things that you saw when you were in the corporate world? Dealing yeah, with so it, it's incredible, like how many issues were disguised uh, as you know, employee issues. Mm -hmm. So like, and what I mean by that, I don't know if I said that right. I say a lot of things incorrectly, by the Mm -hmm. way. 
if I was president, I'd be kind of like one of those George W. Bush presidents where I like <laughs> things wrong, like make up words and things yeah. like that. Fool so me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, strike. Run. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorites. It is. <laughs> um, but what I mean is like people would think the problem's one thing and like that might have something to do with it. They might think, oh, like my problem is this technology solution mm -hmm. or my problem is uh, this process or whatever it is. A lot of times like, yeah, that had some truth to it, but it was mostly employee issues, yeah, people issues. And the number one people issue is misalignment of, uh, you know, goals or uh, misaligned incentives is what you could call it. Mm -hmm. So you've got people within the same company and the company all should have the same goal, right? So the goal, let's say Bobby's goal is to hit a million dollars in revenue. Uh, everyone at the company should be working towards that goal. Uh, but all, oftentimes like we didn't, their incentives weren't aligned in such a way. So mm -hmm. you'd have one person in the company that was trying to do this and another person in the company that was fighting against them or trying to do something differently. Yep. And uh, you know, those misaligned incentives create so many issues. Um, Dude. Oh my, that's one of the reasons I'll never go back to the freaking corporate world. What made me so angry was I'm here in corporate saying, Hey, you need to do X. And then there's another department that's, you literally have a competitor that works for the same company as you. Yeah. And they're concerned about getting credit for the revenue, but yeah. want you to take all the expense for the back end when you could get credit for the revenue and do the back end and blah, blah, blah. And I was yeah. like, screw this. And it, it was the worst. It was, it was yeah, so much and other companies get bigger. Like that, that becomes a real issue. Like even in small companies, right? Like mm -hmm. a perfect example could be, uh, are your employees paid straight hourly or they paid with commission or some, you know, how is the commission measured? Is it something that truly, uh, is aligned, aligning everybody? Um, so we just did this in, in Syngym in our business and we implemented our own product, uh, automate motivate, if you don't know about it, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, we align. I love automate motivate. <laughs> I want to talk about it here. I, I didn't, I don't want to, no, don't pit, pit, pitch it all you want, man. Pitch it all no, you want. It's, well, I love it. And I don't want to pitch in the answer, but essentially like we aligned all our incentives with it. Like, yeah. So all my employees are working towards the same exact goals mm -hmm. um, and they understand the, the tasks they can do to add value towards that goal or how, how they can contribute to that goal. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we make sure none of them are competing or, or, you know, having conflict and we just, uh, we implement that. So it's been really good. And, and, and similarly, like we talk about people being a problem with technology, you know, Bobby, I've heard you say this before. It's like people ask you, does this product work? Does responsibility work? Does engine work? Does flyers mm -hmm. work? It's not the problem. That's not the problem, right? That's no. not the right question. It's did the people implement it correctly? Did the people yep. do it? Did, are your employees using the product incentivized to use it the right way? Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's, it's a lot, oftentimes a people issue. Yeah. Do flyers work? Yeah. If you get them out there, but not if your employees go and throw them in the trash can. Right? Hey, Daniel, real quick. Do you have more time? I just messaged my admin and had her push off my appointment. Do we have more time to go over? Yeah, sure. Let me okay. uh, message my uh, my next one too. I can push it back. Okay. Well, if not, it's not a big deal. I just, uh, I didn't know if you, we had to get off here because this is a good podcast and I didn't want to cut it short if we didn't have to. So you have enough uh, memory on your. Uh... Yeah, I, I solved that problem too. So the, okay. um, well, Daniel's 
sending a message to his uh, people. Guys, go check out Daniel's uh, stuff. Automate Motivate is my favorite. Actually, I want to talk about that in a minute with the employee thing, but you can go to yeah. janiejim.com uh, and check out Automate Motivate. And then I'll we're going to talk about what it is, but carry yeah. on. It looks like you're done typing. So. Yeah, so uh, just the, the incentive alignment is massive, right? Like yeah. are all the people in your business, whether big or small, working towards the same thing. Yeah. So for example, um, we do, we have our, our employees at Syngym have uh, their normal compensation, their base compensation, whether that's hourly or, or um, you know, uh, salaried. And uh, they all, we have three goals in our company that we're, gonna, we're trying to hit. And every single person in the entire company has the same three goals. We're all watching those goals on the dashboard. So yep. the data is showing us where we're at against those goals. Yep. And every one of us is bonused on, on those goals, mm -hmm. right? So I'm, oh, I only get bonus if my employees are getting bonus because we're all working towards the same yeah. thing. And it just, it, it, it breeds this like, um, this, you know, synergy is a, is a consulting word and it's kind of a bunch of fooey, but <laughs> it, it breeds like this, uh, you know, teamwork. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, I can help you with that. Or, Hey, you can, uh, you know, can you help me with this? And like, everyone wants the same thing and it just, it's awesome. There's no, who gets credit for what or that type of thing. Well, and I actually, I get it. Like synergy, I think is a great way to describe it. You are probably jaded against the word because you probably use it every 10 seconds when you were right. doing that stuff, but, but it, it's probably the perfect word to describe it because now instead of having, you know, we're talking about little companies and we're talking about big companies, but now instead of having, you know, the department over here that gets paid if this happens and the department over there that gets paid if this happens and so on and so forth, you're, instead of creating the splintered uh, comp plan, you're creating a linear one that it's kind of like we all get it or, or we all don't type of thing, you know, and that's huge. And the good news is most of us listening to this, are not experiencing that issue today. And most of us probably won't, you know, if we're doing business, you know, a pressure washing company, we're probably not going to get so big that we have all these departments that are going to cause that problem. But, uh, but it's still something to be mindful of to know that it's out there to make sure your step ship is kind of steering in the right direction. What, um, but, but you... about, about that, like on the alignment, like even like in a small company, like if you have two employees, uh, how are you compensating them? Like, are there, are there, is their compensation aligned with, you know, aligning them with your incentives uh, or with your goals? Like, are they yeah. getting paid more if, if your company <clears throat> grows, if your company has great reviews, are they getting paid more if they're, uh, you know, getting referrals? Like, how are you compensating them? Are you, are you, are you paying them for the things that add value to you? Right? Okay. That's a great segue to do two things. Is it a, We'll talk about automate, motivate, but B, talk about just some great, great uh, uh, common sense practices that probably aren't as common sense. And you just said it, but I like when automate, motivate, Daniel, give that, that 30 second elevator pitch, just so people know what we're talking about. As I kind of talk about the issue I saw with people that were using it early on. Yeah. Automate, motivate is, is all about uh, aligning incentives really. <clears throat> And uh, it was Josh Latimer's idea, phenomenal idea, but essentially it, it allows a, a business owner to define the things in their business that add value, mm -hmm. right? In Bobby's business, it's a five-star review. It's an upsell. It's a perfect attendance. The guy showing up for work. They don't lose equipment. Like what 
whatever those things are that add value in your business, you put those into automate motivate and you can assign points for each of those. So as they uh, accomplish them or add value to your business, right? Cause we mm -hmm. just established you're only putting things in there that add value to your business. Your employees get points. They can use those points to redeem them for rewards and the rewards are customizable uh, to make sure they're rewards that in, that motivate your people, right? Yeah. So uh, Bobby may have a guy and I'm making this up that likes the Orlando magic or that likes Disney world, right? And like he incentivized them by saying, if you get enough points or AKA- well, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. It literally happened today. So we had our technician meeting this morning. One of my texts was in here. Uh, we were kind of done. We we're just shooting the shit. And one of my texts was here and Caleb, my son, who's you know part of the company was in here and uh, Johnny, who actually just got a Nintendo Switch, I don't know, two months ago or so from Automate Motivate. He's like, Bobby, can you put this other thing I want in there? I'm like, sure. What do you want? And it's a uh, Oculus uh, yeah. VR headset, you know, which I'm not real up to. I don't pay too much attention to VR, but uh, but it's a VR headset. And I'm like, dude, I'll put any I'll put cocaine and hookers in there if it if it'll get you to make me more money. <laughs> just for the record, I'm joking. But um, but it's the the issue is not what's in there and the issue is not what's the incentive like when automate motivate comes into play it it it's essentially it's an easy way to automate and track these types of incentives so yeah. so in my business you know the 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 incentive itself is kind of irrelevant because they're going to earn points it's just like the old days. It's just like the old days, you know, which wasn't that long ago, actually. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the corporate world, you you hit your bonuses and you could earn some points. And then like once a quarter, a magazine gets sent to you at your office and then you can buy anything in that magazine with however many points you have. And essentially, you guys took something that's been happening in the corporate world for yeah. decades uh, and you've now made it super easy where it works right on the app right on your phone. Uh, it's funny. My admin sent me a, a email. I think it was last Thursday, Wednesday, something like that. And she goes, you need to approve your automate motivate points because they had earned some points and everyone was like, come on, man, give me my points. Hey, that happened to me too. They're like, Hey, it's been like, you have like 10 pending achievements. I'm like, Oh crap. Yeah, exactly. So, so um, once again, I interrupted. Let me talk. Let me tell you where my mind's at because I don't even remember what you were talking about now. Dan. Yeah. I was just to end it is like, they're only getting they're They're only getting rewards if they're adding value. Oh, yeah. to business, right. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I'll, I'll finish that with, I think there's a huge problem that I see in small business and it's a frame of mind. And just to be, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to say this, but essentially I saw this a lot in corporate America as well and small business, mm -hmm. the way you think about a problem or your frame of mind can change everything drastically. Yeah. And, and the frame of mind, the, the, the wrong way of thinking that I hear is like, I want to pay my employees as little as possible. And you don't say that, right. But like, you're thinking that like, how can I pay mm -hmm. them $12 an hour instead of 13 um, and so I can make as much money as possible, which there's nothing wrong with that. But the right way to think is how much can I pay them and still make a lot of money? Right. And, yeah. and if you're thinking about the right way, it's, I want to be able to pay them so much and reward them so much because mm -hmm. I'm making so much that it's a win win. It's not, yeah. I win, they lose. It's we're both winning and they're so freaking excited to work here. They're never going to leave. And mm -hmm. I'm so excited they work here because they're an awesome employee and they make me a ton of money. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, if I can try to on the spot, let, let's, let's continue to work on, on the, that mindset instead of saying, 
how much can I pay them and still make money? It, it could be, you know, what things could they do to allow me to pay them a crap yeah. ton? You know, because we get locked into, I've been talking about this a lot over the last week or two uh, on the channel, YouTube channel, but uh, you know, people hire helpers, you know, like, you know, in, in our types of businesses and I'm like, well, there's your, okay. We've already got a problem because you're, you're looking for helpers. Um, we need to look for people that are going to, you know, generate revenue for us. Now your first technician really doesn't generate revenue for you. He, he's a, you know, that's a suck on your, on your revenue. But uh, instead of looking at a guy as a helper, if we look at him as a technician, you know, if we look at him as an actual part of the team, that changes the way we see that person and changes how we can trust them and what we can expect out of them. And then we can start delegating things to them that does generate revenue and they can get a, a piece of that. And they're, and so now all of a sudden I'm able to pay them more because they're bringing that value, you know, to the business. I know it's the same thing you said, Daniel, I was just trying yeah. to one up you. That's all. No, it's, uh, <laughs> no, I think it's, uh, that's right. And, um, I, I really like that. You know, you don't hire helpers, you add, you hire people that add value to your business and it doesn't necessarily have to be generating revenue, or you could even think about it as, Hey, the revenue is generated when the work is produced. Right. Yep. So that technician, that, that lead, uh, is generating revenue. Now I just need more jobs so they can generate more revenue, right? And now, now someone else, Bobby or the owner can free them their time up to go sell more work. Yeah. So, right, like how do we create enough work or, or generate enough revenue? Um, yeah, you're right though, Bobby. It's, you're not hiring help. You're hiring someone that adds value to your business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, uh, okay, I want to talk about like cancerous employees. And, and, and I do want to talk about like, you know, motivation and stuff, but let's back up a second, whether this can be your experience as a consultant with your current, you know, CEO role at service moxie or your carpet cleaning company, whatever. Um, what, did you, did you, do you, have you, will you again um, have issues with just hiring the wrong person? I mean, has that been something that you've seen has plagued people or has plagued you before? Um. So I can't say that I've, you know, hired the wrong person before. I haven't done a ton of hiring. And just to be honest, like in consulting, um, I had people that worked for me. Uh, we hired some people and, you know, I, it's a really high caliber of person. So I, I never really hired the wrong person and we could be yeah. pretty, um, my service business. Is I do think it gets easier to hire good people. Um, when you've got a great culture and a big business that, well, yeah. And, and, or, and when you have like a, say if it's a position that requires, you know, they had a lot of experience and requires a certain education and stuff like that. Cause even like a bad person, at least from a productivity standpoint is still probably going to be a decent yeah. one where yeah. like it's real, you know, with us in the businesses that we have, um, you know, we're you make a bad hire. Yeah. It's easier because we're paying less, you know, no one's coming to work for us making 300 grand or 200 or 100 grand a year, right. probably. Uh, they're making less money. So it's easier to find people that, uh, well, here's what I look at is victimhood. So let's talk just, just a second about like the hiring side. And then let's get into more of like, once you've hired them, but in my experience, uh, when I hire victims or on this show, we would call them bitches, right? A bitch is someone that blames other people for their lack of success. 
it, or someone that won't pursue their own goals or dreams because of fear and things like that. And usually, you know, when you're hiring people, you find the, the victim as someone that blames others for their lack of success. You know, um, when I was able to, when I learned to, uh, to identify if someone's a victim or not in the interview process, that's when my experience as a hiring manager became much, much better. When I was in the corporate world, when I hired a ton of people, I actually did a pretty bad job of it, quite frankly, because I was essentially looking and saying, okay, can you do the job? Yes, you can do the job. Okay, great. Um, you know, are you breathing? Okay. And can you start Monday? You know, that was essentially how I hired people. You're trying to fill seats. Yeah, exactly. So mistake number one, I think most of us, not all of us, there's a few rock stars out there, but mistake number one that most of us deal with that creates employee issues is we're not recruiting before uh, we need someone. We start recruiting after we realize we need them. And now all of a sudden we're sitting here saying, well, shoot, if I don't put someone here, I'm going to miss out on all this money because I have all these things lined up. I've adopted a different mentality in the last few years, which is I would rather miss money that's quote unquote on the table because I can't find the right guy than get that money short term, but it caused me long-term negative effects in the business with our culture where we're going to be disappointing customers that I might not know about because those people, you know, we might get people that don't have good ethics and things like that. So I think the number one thing with employees is we've got to be recruiting all the time. And I, that's the one I'm still guilty on the most, but then the next one, and this applies really, really well for pressure washing, window cleaning, carpet cleaning, stuff like that. Not so much if it's someone that requires a degree or, or a license or something, but uh, I don't give two shits about their experience. I don't care if they've ever seen a pressure washer. I don't care if they've ever ran a pressure washer. When we do an interview for a technician, first off, whenever I'm doing an actual interview, that's the first, second, I think it's the interview I, might be the fourth. It's the third or the fourth time they've interacted with someone from our company. And every one of those interactions is almost always about who they are as a person. There's one of them in there that's just like a, the knockout questions. You know, are you cool with getting on a ladder? Are you cool with working hard? Are you cool with running a pressure washer and getting bleach all over you? But then the bleaching is pretty nice now because we say, hey, you can't get COVID. You're bathing in bleach all day long. But the, uh, but when we do that interview, I do a one hour interview with technicians. And when I say that, I know there's some people listening that are saying, oh my God, that's crazy. An hour for a tech. Well, that's problem number one for you. But during that hour, we spend about 60 seconds at the beginning. And I run through the knockout questions one more time. Here's the stuff you got to do. You're lifting heavy stuff. You're working in the elements. You're boom, boom, boom. Once we're, we get past that, I don't come back to it. And for the next 59 minutes, it's all about who they are as a person. I don't ask these job questions. I'm, I'm asking, you know, questions about like the stuff they're doing on the weekends. What time do they wake up on days that they don't work? What kind of hobbies would they do if they had time to do hobbies? Cause everyone says they don't have time for them, but well, if you did have time, what kind of stuff would you do? Um, you know, uh, I ask them questions to determine if they look at things like a victim or not, you know, ask them things like, tell me about a time you were taken advantage of at a previous job. That's a great question to ask because you can still know you were taken advantage of and not play the role of a victim. You know, so you ask questions like that, that helps us get over that hump of getting good people in. But now here's where Daniel comes into play is just because we got a good person in here 
and you're still going to get some bad ones, you know, just because we're not perfect. Now we've got to keep that culture good and, and make sure that things still don't go south. Uh, are there any red flags that, that you're aware of just from the consulting thing, or is this a, ah, Bob, I was more on the uh, insurance side of things. Yeah. And the hiring process, uh, I'm trying to think if there's any red flags that, that I use. Uh, integrity is a huge problem. Um, blaming other people, right? That's kind of like what you're talking yep. about, the mentality or mm-hmm. the victim mentality. Those are things that, I mean, that starts being red flag right away instead mm-hmm. of owning it up. Um, I will say that, and I do have a lot of experience with the cancerous employee, right? Like you, yeah. maybe they weren't a terrible hire, but like at some point there's a team mm-hmm. and you've got one person that's just not good. And they might be like a great producer. They might be a great tech uh, but they, no one else likes working with them. And like, how do you deal with that? Right. And uh, you know, you've got to address it. You've got to address it because guess what? You might have one A player and you've got, you know, two B players and a, a C player, right? You, you say, I can't lose the A player, but guess what? You're going to lose the B, the two B players. And pretty soon you're going to end up with an A and a C and a D and a D. Mm. Right. But I would rather lose, like address the A player and fix the behaviors. Oftentimes you can fix it if you're brave enough to address it. Yeah. Uh, but even if you have to get rid of them at worst case, I'd rather have two B players, a C player and a C player than, you know, one A player and the culture is terrible and everyone wants to quit. Yeah. Um, because well, is you're going to hire other people and they're not going to like to work with them either. So you're going to be stuck and, and they're going to limit your growth. No, that's okay. That's a great, great thing. And most business owners, I think we get trapped in that at one point or another. Now, I, I haven't had that experience in the business that I own, but I've had that experience when I was, you know, running other people's. And let's, if we, we can take out the A, B, and C player thing, if every one of your people, if everyone was an A player, let's just say that if they were all A players, and then one, one of them has a cancerous attitude, it's going to cost you other employees regardless of how good or how bad, you know, everyone is. And um, so I think some of the best advice I can give to people is uh, documented, uh, you know, we, we'd call them counseling report, you know, it's a write-up, right? A counseling report, a performance improvement plan, you know, whatever you want to call it, but having a structured um, set, you know, set in stone, I don't, maybe don't want to go that far, but having a structured a uh, documented way of how you deal with disciplinary action. That goes a long way for everybody. A, it's good for you as an employer. It can protect you uh, with lawsuits and things like that, as long as you got everything documented. But it, when you take that off the table, here's why it's good for your employees. And I'm not talking about the ones that might leave. I'm talking about the ones that are having the issue. Um, if you sit down with them and have like that verbal conversation, you know, there's your quote unquote verbal warning at the beginning. And then if that issue continues to go on and you have a written documented warning with them, and then another one follows up maybe as a final and then a termination. Well, anyone that's salvageable, they're going to, they're going to turn things around. Well, usually long before the written warning, but that written warning that lets them know, okay, this company is communicating with me that this is not acceptable. And if I like being here, I've got to change that. And it's a good thing for them because it, it lets, it, well, it just gives them clarity. And all too often, uh, you know, it's easy. It's hard being a leader. You know, it's hard. It's hard to be a leader. It really is. 
Yeah, and, and and I'll tell you, like, uh, you know, like we talked about, we, we're going to do a webinar uh, this week, and I'd love you guys to join it, uh, and I'd be happy to answer your questions live about this stuff. Mm -hmm. But you're touching on one of the the five keys that I think are there, which is expectations. Yep. Um, you've got to set expectations for people, otherwise. That's like setting the goal, right? Or the measuring the, the data. Like if they don't know what your expectation is, how do they know if they're doing good? Yeah. How do they know if they're doing bad, right? So it's not fair to them if you're not right. doing that. It's, yeah. it's not fair. And uh, if you haven't set expectations and you feel like your employee sucks, that's on you. Because uh, I mean, if they don't give you, if you're not giving them expectations, they're just going to do whatever they want and think they're doing fine because you haven't said anything else. Yeah, yeah. And then- I, probably enough said on that, but guys, that's some great advice just from my own personal experience. Um, don't look at those, that written warning system as that corporate thing you don't want to be a part of. It's fair to them. It's fair to you. And if you're consistent with it, it'll keep resentment from other employees rising up, at least on the topic of people getting special treatment or, oh my God, so-and-so got fired and they didn't even know it was coming is that going to happen to me as well? So that, that's a big, big thing. Um, so Daniel, automate, motivate. I, I think I can just let you get off here and I could talk about it now because this has been something that's just, it's more and more a part of my business. But uh, let's talk about, um, before we get to the automate part, let's just talk about motivating. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but um, actually let me go back because we got sidetracked one of the keys and one of the failures that I saw with a lot of people, because when automate motivate first came out, I don't even think you were a part of Syngym or service moxie or anything. Right. Yeah. And uh, so Latimer, it's actually a funny story. Latimer allowed a limited number of people to come in and get in on it. And they got it at a special price and yada, 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 because they, it was in beta, you know, so they were beta testing it. And I didn't do it. Cause I thought, you know what? I don't need another, monthly service and damn you Latimer I've given you too much money <laughs> already you know so I was like you know I'm gonna hold off on this one and um uh and then my buddy Ryan Edrington he's in my uh weekly accountability group who I'll be meeting with tomorrow morning at 5 a.m and um I'm still not happy about that but they will not change the time but uh but me and Ryan got together at some, I think it was actually with my accountability group. We got together and we were talking and he pulls his phone out and he's like, Hey, look at this. And he starts showing me automate, motivate. And I'm like, Oh my God, that that's freaking awesome. So I, I'm personally messaged Josh and I'm like, dude, I know the beta thing is closed. I really, really want this thing. So uh, he let me in just because, you know, I'm so cool, I guess that's why, but <laughs> he let me in it. And I, we've been using it for a long time, but like we said, Daniel, here's where, can I tell you about a failure you're having here? I think with automate motivate, yeah. can I give you, can I consult you for a second? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Here's where I think your users are going wrong with this thing or some of them. And this is, this has been a little while, but Josh had created this Facebook group where the beta testers could be in there. And I would see people say, well, man, I put all these things on here, but uh, gosh, it's just expensive, you know, cause you know, they're letting people earn points to do things. And then they're like, well, now I'm paying out all this money for it. And here's the things that they were doing. They were like, hey, get your, you know, do your paperwork at the end of the day. You get so many points. Uh, you show up for work on time. You get so many points. Do this thing. You get so many points, blah, 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 blah. Well, I was watching these people say these things. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. And, and I don't mean this mean. Well, it is kind of mean. So I'm going to say it. But I love you no matter what. But I'm like, boy, these guys just don't have a freaking clue. Like, 
I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you add money to their, their check without requiring more, uh, more responsibility or productivity out of them? And, you know, all those same people that were doing those things, I would notice, and they would have like 40 achievements that they could achieve, you know, at filling out your paperwork. Oh, you wiped when you went to the bathroom. Good for you. you know? <laughs> uh, oh, you took out the trash, you know, what, whatever it may be. And then when I look at mine at right now, I think I have like three on there or maybe only four on mine. But uh, the one that I've paid out the most money for has been Google reviews. And that's been, I don't, I have to go look. I don't even know if I can pull a report to tell you, you know, what percentages, but, but that's by far where I've uh, put out the most money, but Google reviews directly impact my top and bottom lines on my P and L. So to me, you know, paying out uh, that money. And I used to actually pay out uh, cash, well, not cash. I'd put it on their check, but if someone got a Google review that had their name in it, it had to have their first name in it, they'd get $10 cash. Well, when automate motivate came up, I talked to my team about it and I said, Hey guys, I got this new thing. And I actually told them about it for like three weeks in a row, just trying to warm them up to it, which I think is important to make sure that they see this vision that you have. Don't, don't yeah. try it. You got to do it right. You can't just work. Yeah. And I said, Hey, uh, Google reviews. I'm thinking about, uh, actually the day I launched it, I said, here's the thing. I am, uh, I'm not going to pay you guys $10 for a Google review anymore. And they all kind of looked at me sideways and uh, a couple of them were probably going to rough me up in the IHOP parking lot, you know, after we were done eating breakfast and everything. I said, but what I am going to do is I'm going to give you points that are going to equate to the same amount. And we're using this thing I've been telling you about, but now you can actually bank your points. Cause if you only get one review this week and you get 10 bucks, well, you can even buy a beer with that Friday night after you cash your check and the taxes are taken out of it. So now if you only got one, you still get that full value that you can feel. You can bank it up, use it. And that's why, I got, you know, I've had guys that have used it to go on vacations. Um, I've had one guy had some dental issues that he had to take care of and he cashed out. I think it was 600 bucks that he cashed out to do that. Um, uh, another, I've had two employees in the last month or so uh, get uh, some Nintendo Switch, excuse me, Nintendo Switches, which the funny thing about them is they got them because they want to, girls to come play their switch so that this they're like we don't even like nintendo but the girls like playing mario kart you know but the the tactics of getting girls have changed a lot since yeah. <laughs> but but the point though for me is every time my guys cash one of those things out i don't say oh because i'm like no those points that they banked in in reality i got some interest on that because i got benefit from it you know, maybe five months ago, whenever they earned some of those points and they didn't cash them out until now. So now every time I spend money on that, I'm like, okay, every one of these achievements I know is good for me. Now I have one in there that really doesn't uh, generate revenue for me at all. But if they work on a Saturday, they get points, you know, well, it's their job. It's kind of like the, Hey, you wiped, you know, good for you. But we work all every Saturday during our busy season. And those little things like that surprisingly make a big, big impact. And when I've talked to the guys, because we'll have candid conversations and they'll give me real criticisms and stuff. And every time I talk to them about, you know, what do you love about the company? At literally every time Automate Motivate will come up. And what makes me so happy is I didn't mess up by putting all these weird, non-productive for me things for their achievements. So now I'm able to push those achievements and feel perfectly fine with it hitting my PL when the time comes because it all balances out so 
Daniel, that's my, my, my consulting to you is you just got to tell these people when they sign up, Hey guys, don't be stupid. Do awesome stuff like Bob did. Do you think yeah. that would work if yeah. they've already given you their credit card? Yeah. Um, I think the big thing like you're hitting on is just, you've got a baseline, what your job, what the job is. Right. And those are the expectations to stay employed here. And then there's the things that add value. So it takes them from a C player, which that you're paying them for today. How, what, what are the things they can do to be an A player on your team and be like, man, this is the best employee I've ever had. Cause he does these things. Yeah. That's what you reward for. Exactly. Yeah. And now it, once again, talking about expectations, being clear and transparent and all that stuff. Uh, everyone knows, just like you were talking about that little dashboard, everyone now knows these are the things the company wants me to do. And uh, so guys, whether you're using automate motivate, whether you're tracking it on a, on a uh, spreadsheet, so. it doesn't matter. What, what matters is there's that synergy that Daniel hates. There's that synergy behind what they're doing and what you're wanting and what grows the company and drives the business and it all works together. And it's really nice. And then what's cool. So, so here's the thing. Does automate motivate work? I'm asking myself that question because people have asked me the same thing about SynGym and responsive bid and what have you. Um, we've established that incentives do work if done the right way. And I don't mean you and I have established it. Let's, that's right. why, you know, we, we all work cause we have to, but, but people will go the extra mile um, sometimes because there's a great culture, but sometimes they do it because, you know, they'll work extra because they want to hit that bonus or what have you. Um, where automate motivate comes into play. The same can be said for SynGym actually is it's not, doesn't work. It's this thing automates it for you. It makes it easier for the business owner to manage it. And that's the key. You can't get a service like an automate motivate and then be like, Oh, this will fix my employee problems. No, that's the, you know, Daniel, your thing is automating stuff for me to make it easier. I'm the guy that still has to cast vision. I'm the guy that still has to follow up with this. I'm the guy that has to talk about it every week, you know, and of course you may not be able to talk about everything every week, but we have to keep it. If you just get an app, throw it on there and say, Hey guys, look, this thing's awesome. You might get some traction in your first few days of using it. And then it's going to become a burden and no one's going to want it and blah, blah, blah. So no matter what, I think the, what I'm trying to say is, You've got to be the guy that's casting the vision. You've got to be the guy that keeps breathing life into it, keeps it alive, keeps it fresh. And then if you want something awesome to help you manage it and add a little, you know, sizzle or sex appeal, that's where automate motivate really, really shines in my opinion. So can I, do I have the job, Daniel? Can I be an automate motivate salesperson for you? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that I can pay you as much as you're making today, but, uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm a pretty big deal, but you don't have to do all that. You can just come here. <laughs> that would be fun that'd be fun so so listen um i don't want to wrap this thing up just yet we can if we need to i want to talk more about employees but the reason the employee thing's been near and dear it's just been near and dear to my heart or on it's been on my mind i should say a lot for the last couple of weeks and then um you and i have a webinar that we're doing this thursday so today is december 15th so uh seventh the 17th uh, I think it's, a, I think it's at 7 PM. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes here, but you and I are going to do a webinar literally talking about employees, uh, engagement, company culture, yada, yada, yada. Um, and you're, you're kind of the, the brains behind this one. I wanted to bring you into my fold and, and share this stuff. Daniel, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what we're going to be talking about on Thursday. 
Yeah, on Thursday, I'm going to be sharing uh, three secrets around attracting, retaining, and uh, and managing your employees. Like to have the best employees you've ever had, right? Yeah. So three secrets to to having the best employees you ever had. Essentially, if I boiled it down, um, we'll have a few bonuses in there. And, uh, and Bobby, can I go get if they attend? Is that okay? Say what? Can I share what they're going to get if they attend? Just oh, to- yes. I was hoping you would. I was going to actually kind of encode, ask you to do the same without okay. spilling it in case. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're super excited. Uh, Josh um, worked really hard to- Josh to- Latimer. Josh Latimer. Yeah. yeah. Put together uh, an ebook. He worked super hard on this. Um, I don't know if you guys have like the five stages of growth document that he wrote with Brandon Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, but you know, a lot of people have given us a ton of feedback about the value that that adds to their business. Um, this one is all about employee management, right? And it's the, I think it's the, it's terrible. I don't know the title because it's so new. Nobody has this. No (laughs) person has this right yet. I have Um, it. Yeah. I had to give it to Bobby so that he said it was okay to give away, but, um, (laughs) it's all about, uh, yeah. What, what big companies or successful small businesses are doing yep. uh, differently than you with their employees. So it's uh, I think it's, there's six secrets in there or six, you know, things they're doing. Um, it's, you're going to get that for free just for attending. And uh, you're going to be the only group. This is a Janie exclusive. So you're gonna be the only group that has that has access to it. Um, and then we're actually going to be selling it online. So it's uh, it's not just a free giveaway thing. You're going to get something that's going to be, I think 1199 uh, ebook. So you can get that for free for attending uh, our webinar. And yeah, I, I'm going to be there a- answering, not only am I going to share the three secrets, but I'm just going to be there to, to talk with Bobby, my buddy. Yeah. We're going to answer all your questions. Uh, yeah. We'll do a live Q&A one- at the end. Yeah. Live Q&A at the end. So we'll, we'll hang out as long as you guys want to hang out and, and uh, hopefully the questions will be on topic, but even if, as long as it's business related, we're, we're happy to chat and share our experiences. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I'm super excited about it. I love it. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the, the kind of the five things. I, so Bobby didn't hit on this, but I was a military officer before this. Oh, so yeah. like my passion or uh, before actually consulting, but my passion is in leadership. I've had a ton of formal leadership training and I'm going to share with you the military's um, kind of what they call the, the, the five pillars of training, I think is what they call it or growth. But uh, it's going to be uh, the five things that they do to make sure that they're um, building an upward spiral and, and having their people grow. Yeah. So that's going to be super valuable. And um, yeah, I'd love for you to be there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. This sounds, t- everyone thinks this is just fake, but I mean it with all my heart. You're, you're, you're a real close friend. I just enjoy hanging out with you and doing fun stuff. So it, guys, it's going to be great great information it's 100 free um you know here, here's where we get value out of things like this is uh we get to meet more people we network with more people and there's value there because we have information we like to get out and, and one day i want to sell you something so i want more of you <laughs> there you know and, and and you know that's just honest truth but uh it, it's this is going to be a great thing this isn't going to be some fluff piece where you know we'll tell you like three little things that uh, really don't work. And all of a sudden we've got you captive, you know, so it's going to be real stuff that that's applicable for you the very next day that you can go out and start making a difference. So uh, guys, there's going to be, a, uh, there's a link in the show notes. So you can click on the link. Uh, if you can't make the webinar, uh, Daniel told someone yesterday, cause they were asking that there will be a replay. So if you can't be there live Thursday, 
uh, go ahead and register anyway. And then uh, a replay link will be shot out in a week or so after the event, once it gets uploaded and everything and, and you can get it. But um, Daniel, the uh, let's, let's talk another second on, on employees. Are, did we resolve that? Are we, are we good to keep going? So, and I don't want to spill or spoil too much. I actually don't know what exactly what you're sharing uh, Thursday night, but the, let me tell you what I'm doing. And then you tell me what it is, because I think this makes a huge, huge impact. And it's a really, really small thing that we can do. And yeah. it's the same kind of stuff that, you know, you do with your kids and it's the same kind of stuff you do with your dogs or whatever. But, you know, like, for instance, I got this little puppy, you know, for those of you watching the video, you got to see him a little bit here. He's actually a little sick right now. So, uh, but you got to see him on the, on the camera. He's adorable. He's literally, uh, he was voted the world's cutest puppy of all time. So that's, that's cool. But um, sick because he's eating blinds. Exactly. But, but, you know, if, if my puppy sets when I tell him to set, I don't, I don't go to the store and buy him a, a ribeye steak or something like that. I, you know, I've got a little, little puppy treat, you know, that, that I give him, you know, and uh, the same with my kids, you know, if my kids do something, you know, great, I don't, uh, you know, go buy him a new car, but maybe it's a pat on the back. Maybe it's some words of encouragement, you know, maybe it's a, Hey, let's go grab a Coke or whatever. And with employees, you know, I've fallen into the trap uh, where I feel like I'm not doing anything if I'm not doing something big. But one, one thing I really, really try to do uh, literally every day, and I'm not successful every day, but I, more times than not, I am, uh, is just brag on them. Give that little puppy treat, if you will, just when something good happens. Now, for instance, if my guys get a review, obviously they get points for it, but I'm making sure that publicly in our company chat, that the review goes out there to see how awesome our company is. It also allows me to give props to the individual maybe that got the review. Um, you know, I'll send a message in the morning because I don't see my guys every morning um, in the, you know, Hey guys, just checking in on you. Don't have any new stuff to, to update you with. Hey, by the way, I want everyone to know, I really, really appreciate what you're doing. You're out there doing the hard work, making me look good while, you know, while I'm sitting in here putting on makeup and working on a computer you guys rock, you know? Um, and, but of course I try to make it not come across as patronizing. I, I you know, it, it's always sincere, you know, so I try not to be, you know, go over the top. It's my style. Um, but I think those little things, which they've got to be constant. I think they have to be sincere and, and truthful. If they're not doing a great job, don't tell them they're doing a great job. But I think those uh, constant things are some of the things that have helped me with the guys be very successful throw this in the back pocket because I'm a airhead and I'm going to forget it. But another thing that I work really hard on, so maybe we can talk about that too. And we've already talked about this a couple of times, but it is setting expectations. Um, oh, and uh, you know, bringing them into the office, setting them down, looking them in the eyes very seriously and saying, listen, I need to know where I'm not taking care of things for you. I need that feedback. And so that's helped create a good culture where my guys will come let me know if they don't think I'm doing a good job somewhere or if they don't feel that they're getting the support they need. But back to the first part, back to that first part of just the little notes, the little, you know, the doggy treats, you know, so to speak. Um, is that a thing? It, you know, what yeah. is that? And, and is it working as good as I think it is? Yeah, we're going to uh, we're going to address some of this on the webinar. So uh, don't I'd go love, too deep then. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'd love to talk about it there. But I, I think like. I'm guilty of this too, Bobby, is um, 
And I think this, this may be a personality thing. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But, but I think that we both uh, were almost like self-conscious of this, this idea. Uh, Bobby's dog is biting the microphone. <laughs> That's a little distracting. Sorry. But, uh, I think we're both, we're, both, uh, we're both self-conscious of like, we really do care about our employees. Mm-hmm. So like the self-conscious part is like, am I doing enough to show them that? Yeah. Right. And like, we always want to do something big and like, same thing with your kids, right? Like you always want to give them the moon, but like, how do you do that without spoiling them or being Mm -hmm. ridiculous? Um, And it's because you truly care about them. And so, yeah, I think that's a real thing. I feel that all the time. Um, I love that, that you get, you have the two way feedback. I think that that's great. Um, But yeah, it's uh, you're touching on one of the other five. Uh, which is feedback. You're, mm-hmm. well, that's one of the other five things. So we talked about expectations is one feedback is the other. Damn. I think I'm really good at this stuff. This is yeah, you might hit all five if we stay here long enough. Uh, but feedback is, yeah. How do they know that they're doing a good job? How do uh, you know, how do they know they're not doing a good job? Like what are those mechanisms? And you need to tell them that. And it's uh, there's a bunch of statistics on this in the webinar that we'll share, but it's really important that they, uh, that they know that, you know, they're doing the right thing. And that, yeah, um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that on the webinar and like uh, the statistics around that and and the surveys that they've done. Uh, But it's really incredible. Like it's not enough uh, to just say, Hey, you know, why should I say good job when that's like their job? Right. Like that's not the right attitude. No, it's not. You know, we don't have a, we don't have a time limit. Now let's talk about that just for a second you know, I mentioned earlier kind of making fun of it, but I actually did this in another way. So I had mentioned like where, where you're failing tremendously with automate, motivate Daniel. And Mm -hmm. I'm saying that tongue in cheek, obviously, but, uh, and I said, you know, people will give you a bonus if you showed up to work or if you wiped your butt or if you did this, or if you showed up on time. Um, like I used to have in my comp plan, uh, a thing where, you know, you earned, I'm going to use made up numbers, but I'd say, okay, your, your, your commission is 15%. But if you're on work every day of the week, it's actually 20%. And uh, the main reason I stopped doing that is at the time I didn't have an admin and blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of hard to track and, you know, so on and so forth. So I kind of got rid of it for my own sake. And it wasn't a problem because I'd kind of created that culture here. But I would have people kind of look down their nose at me and say, I'm not going to pay someone extra for showing up to work on time. And I'm like, listen, dummy, I'm not paying them extra for showing up on time. When I created my PL for my business, I said I can pay 20%. I'm just making up numbers, guys, but I, you know, I could pay 20. So what I did was said your commission's 15. But if you do, it was actually two things. If you do these two things that are really important to me, one, be on time every day, which includes being here. So you can't call out and be on time, you know, but you're on time every day and your go backs were below a certain percentage, you, you can actually increase your income by 25%. You get 20% instead of 15, you know, is that right? 25%. What, what guys, I don't need no math Nazis sending me emails a bit. Um, but the point though, is that was another thing that we did to uh, essentially I was docking pay, you know, in, in a sense, if you were late, but in reality, what I was doing was giving them a bonus for doing something super, super simple. Yeah. And I think little things like that make it, uh, sometimes it's just our presentation can be a big difference but also sometimes we got to get over ourselves i'm not gonna sell someone good job for taking out the trash good and but what you are going to be is the person that continues to bitch about you just can't find good employees out there yeah that's that's my my voice for people that are 
living in the bitch zone. You just can't do it. You know, you hire someone. No one wants to work anymore. Well, no one wants to work for you because you suck as a leader. You might be, Hey, you're a great person and you, you do a great job for your, uh, for your customers, but that attitude's a terrible attitude for an alleged leader. And um, so, sorry, rant over, but there you go. Yeah. Now there's a, there's a lot of good people out there. Uh, you know, they're different. They're, they've grown up in a different environment. They <clears throat> want different things than other mm-hmm. generations. Like every generation is different, right? It doesn't mean yep. it's good and not good people, but as a good leader, you've got to adapt. You got to adapt to uh, what your workers and what generation they're from uh, respond to, and uh, you've got to play the game, right? And it's um, it's kind of like a football game, right? Like here's an analogy: you go in the first half, you game plan, and you're like, "This is going to work." Like we're going to run the ball right down their throat, and then you get your butt kicked in the first half. Yeah. Do you go out and run the ball the second half, or do you? Like, <laughs> let's figure out what they're doing and like, let's adapt and try yeah. something different. Right? Like that's the definition of the insanity thing, right? Yeah. There. Just do the same thing again. We're just going to like, how frustrating is it when your team goes out there and like, we're running up the middle again. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's super, but then we go in our business and we're like, well, if that one doesn't work, I'll go on to the next one. I'll, exactly. Until I hire a hundred people, I'll find someone that works. Right. Yeah. Like it's my well, and- way or the highway. Like that's dumb. And I, I think the, as I'm going to just continue to pick on these people, they don't listen to my podcast anyway, because I, I tell them not to. Everyone's yeah, no one, no one's listening at this point, mom, thank you for listening. But the, uh, I think those people are the same people that want to bitch about no one wants to work today are the people that are saying, Oh, I just, I shouldn't have to read a book about leadership or I shouldn't have to, you know, I shouldn't have, no, you shouldn't have to do shit, but that's the way the world should be. And then there's the way the world is. And, um, you know, so <laughs> if I can put on my Dr. Phil hat for a minute, do you want to be right? Cause you're right. You shouldn't have to congratulate someone for taking out the trash, but do you want to be right? Or do you want to be happy? And for me, I'm going to congratulate those guys for taking out the trash because I want to be on the beach drinking fruity drinks while other people are making me money. And, and that's a little bit of a silly example, but I think the point stands. Yeah. And it goes back to just caring about them, right? Like if you really care about them, you're going to do things that, uh, that they like, right? Like if you care about your spouse, uh, you may hate going to the ballet or seeing uh, romantic comedies, but like you'll do those things and you'll like it because uh, it makes your spouse happy. And, you know, when they're happy, you're happy. So yeah. the employees no different, right? It's a relationship. And uh, if you realize your employee uh, likes Taylor Swift, like you'll listen to Taylor Swift in the work truck once in a while, or you'll, yeah. uh, you know, you know, whatever it is, if they, if they want the pat on the back, you'll give them the pat on the back because uh, you like them and you care about them and you want them to, to be in an environment that they want to be in. So it's, it's a relationship. It's not a master servant type of relationship. It should be, uh, we're a, it's a, a coexisting relationship. I don't know what the right word is. I'm not a counselor, but yeah, I think symbiont is what you're looking for. Symbiotic. Yeah. Something like, I I only know that just because star Wars and midi chlorians and midi chlorians and, and living creatures have a symbiont relationship and that's how the force works. I, kind of weird uh, george lucas kind of i already ran. told you when i run for president yeah when i run for president i'm gonna be the george bush one so okay 
<laughs> so Daniel, let, let's just do a teaser. I don't know if this is going to come up Thursday night, but we're kind of running out of time, but I'll say this. Another thing that, uh, where I think we, and I'm, what I'm saying, genuinely saying we, you know, cause I've done the same thing where we fail is fail our employees is not empowering them. And, you know, uh, I know feeling appreciated is one of the top things for yeah. uh, an employee's, um, let's call it engagement or job satisfaction. Uh, appreciation is like number one or number two up there. And I think the other one, I forget which one, uh, if I'm not wrong, is feeling the ability to make a difference is what employees would say which as uh, an owner means we would have to empower them to be able to make that difference. And again, that goes back to that mentality that we can have of, are you hiring a helper? Because if you're hiring a helper, you're, you're not going to empower a helper. Right. We're already demeaning them because they're just a helper. You know, they, right. they, they have, they have no place if you're not there because they're just helping you. But when we're hiring leaders and we're hiring, you know, good assets for our company, boy asset that sounds terrible but you get my point uh when we're hiring those people and and we empower them to make decisions and as an owner we know that some of those decisions are going to be bad and cost us money but the long game is better for us that's another area that we can do a lot better in uh, i don't know if we're going to be covering that on thursday night but we can always talk about it in the q a if not but that's another area uh listeners is uh, make sure you're empowering your employees. Don't give them enough to, uh, power to bankrupt your company, but give them enough to cost you a buck and then know that they're going to cost you a buck. But if you give them enough empowerment to cost you a buck, that also means you're giving them enough empowerment to make you a buck. And uh, if they're making you a buck and you know all the time and costing you some every now and then, that's a big win. So, Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to touch on that, but I'd love to chat about it in the, in the Q&A. I do think uh, um, you're absolutely right about that. Who, who, who here started a business and not made a mistake, right? Yeah. And would you hire yourself? Yeah, I hope so, right? Like you've come this far, you've been probably successful. Um, you know, you're educating yourself, you're learning and, and your employees are doing the same thing, right? Like if you want them to run your company someday or run a crew or whatever it is you aspire for them to be, like they have to learn too. Yeah. And uh chalk that dollars up to, uh, you know, to training or learning. Uh, but absolutely like I, I, I'll, I'll be the first to say I've made a lot of mistakes yeah, and uh, that's why I've learned a lot. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And that's why I like you, Daniels, cause you, you have personal accountability and, uh, which is, I, I think personal accountability is it's second only to your breathing, to the groundwork for being able to be a good leader and be a winner and, and get the things you want. Uh, which comes back to not being a bitch. So mm -hmm. remember, guys, rule number one to live in the no bitch zone is everything's your fault. Well, Bob, I didn't do this. Doesn't matter. If you don't look at it as your fault, you can't come up with a solution. So everything's your fault. You can go from there. Daniel, we're about to sign off here. Before we do, tell everyone where they can learn about um, uh, Service Moxie. I know you have Gym. You've got uh uh, you and responsive are good friends, but you've got Syngym, you've got Automate Motivate, you got um, uh, Madrona Blank on the, the budgeting tool. Uh, oh, Revenue Buddy. Revenue Buddy. Uh, God, I don't even know. You probably got other crap out there I don't know about. Uh, crap. You know what? It ain't crap, Daniel. That's great stuff. But tell everyone where they can go find it. Yeah, you can check us out at servicemoxie.com. Uh, before you uh, go through any of the purchasing uh, process there, make sure you go to, what is it, jne.gym. 
Oh, jnegym.com. Jnegym.com. Uh, Bobby is a great friend of, uh, of our company, and he's got some unique offers out there that would benefit you uh, compared to the public. So we appreciate you. And uh, yeah, uh, ask questions on our website with a quick chat. Send me an email at daniel at syngym.com. Or even better, come to our webinar and ask me live. Uh, I'd love to help out. Awesome. Daniel, love you, bro. You're a great, great dear friend of mine. So, so grateful that you're a part of my life. Listeners, same thing for you, unless you're one of the jerks. If you're one of the jerks, I don't love you. But but uh, no, listeners, thank you. This podcast exists because of you. So I'm going to sign off and say this once again, because it's just the truth. If you're not doing the things you want to do in life, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not pursuing those things, there's no good reason for it. Peace. Love you too, Bobby. Hit the subscribe.